Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It will be a fraught off-season for the Milwaukee Bucks. They had exit interviews today. Giannis Antetokounmpo saying, hey, I'd really like for everyone to be back. And in addition to the obvious competitive reasons with this being a, a championship contending team this year, they also have the specter of trying to make it to the finals, win a championship next year to encourage Anacupo to stay next summer when he's eligible for that designated player veteran extension. And he could leave as a free agent in the summer of 2021 were he not to sign that. So despite all of the improvements that the Bucks have made, the 60 wins, hiring Mike Budenholzer, this is a an absolutely critical offseason would you be so kind as to run down the list of their free agents this offseason i'm gonna need to take a deep breath before it uh chris middleton has a player option that everybody expects him to decline whether he returns or not brogdon will be restricted nikola miritich will be unrestricted with full bird rights brooke lopez unrestricted non-bird pau gasol unrestricted non-bird and previously we expected that eric bledsoe would be unrestricted as well but he agreed to that extension so he instead will make 15.6 million for the 1920 season so here's where they start off cap wise not including any free agent holds other than well here this is a better way to do it. not including any free agent holds at all assuming that they pick up the non-guarantees on pat Connaughton and sterling brown and with their 30th draft pick which would be 1.9 million with the estimated 109 million dollar cap and 132 million dollar tax line they have 53 million dollars below the tax to re-sign as many of those players as they would like there are restrictions and how much they can offer lopez we'll get to those in a moment but really the first question is just going to be what is ownership's appetite for spending they have appeared to be quite luxury tax averse in previous years tim bontemps reported earlier in the playoffs that should they make it to the nba finals there would be appetite for going into the tax to retain this team if now that they have fallen short of that what is the appetite going to be clearly Giannis has indicated his preference that everyone comes back if not everyone comes back and part of the reason is the luxury tax and like we said without lopez or, or not including lopez everyone else they have the ability to offer them basically whatever they want they got full bird rights on everyone except for lopez worth noting though if they go above the apron which they have 59 million dollars in room below without any of the aforementioned free agents right now then they'd only be able to offer lopez the 5.7 million dollar mini mid-level and that probably is not enough to bring him back i think that the full mid-level of 9.2 million especially if they give him the years will be enough to bring him back we talked about what his market would be and where the appetite might be for spending more than the mid-level exception among the cap space teams for a center who's going to be 31 this summer but then it's a question of the years as well but that's the real question danny is how much are they really willing to spend if they're going to say no we can't go into the tax which i think is absurd by the way if they decide that they can't do that for a team that is this good that desperately needs to keep on a kumpo and also just got a shit ton of public money for their new stadium that would be a real bummer to me if they avoid the tax milwaukee also doesn't have nearly as much salary clearing flexibility as they did that was a whole part of the henson and delavidova for george hill trade that happened last season you know they gave up a first round pick in that deal george hill it was and is meaningfully better than the guys they traded but the biggest thing milwaukee gained in that deal was spending power flexibility 
possibility because Delodova and Henson were on fully guaranteed contracts for 1920, and George Hill only has one million of his contract guaranteed. That's another interesting question with their offseason. Is so with George Hill with that million dollars, they could theoretically. Well, it's harder to trade him because of his guaranteed aid. So functionally speaking, they pro- they, they might end. They'll either they'll cut him in all likelihood. Yeah, and, and real quick, by the way, I my projection uh, of how much space they had included that I should have mentioned this included them waving him and eating uh, that one million dollars. The full this one year. million. They, okay. Yeah, they could stretch that. Uh, they could try to trade him to a team that would just eat the one million dollars themselves. Probably uh, could just throw some cash in on that to a, a team that has cap space. Well, but before. there there is a big problem there in that that they his, can't bring him back. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. not only that, but his full guarantee date as of right now is july 1st so the mechanics of, of moving him get very difficult and i think that could work out for the bucks unless that you know million dollars sick really or 333 if they stretch it really does matter i'm guessing they'll be okay the other contract we're talking about briefly with that in terms of wiggle room maybe erisan Ilyasova. so he has two years left seven million even for each year but the second year of that is non-guaranteed maybe somebody's interested in that i think they want to bring him back they want to keep him you know he's a, a bike moonholzer player and a mike moonholzer player and then Tony Snell, 11.4 for the coming season, 12.2 player option for the following year. I, I think he's a negative value on that contract, but I could see a team. So the example I brought up here is Damari Carroll, where he maybe gets moved in a salary focus trade, but then the other team gets more value from him than it being a straight salary dump. You know, he can be a part of the rotation, something like that. I could see a move like that happening. The problem is that Milwaukee, they have a few picks owed out and Tony Snell, is, his stock is not exactly high right now so i think that 53 million dollar number used or 59 relative to the apron those are really good functional numbers to use because milwaukee shedding money is pretty difficult if i were them i think that's what i would probably be focused on they have the 30 30th pick in this year's draft would that be enough to move snell in an attachment and who could take him on most of these cap space teams well and here's well, why well, let I me add in something them. else i think this might be where you're going but who's willing to commit to that before the pick is made because driving the 30th pick off the lot unless it's obvious who the right player is once that pick happens is much less desirable than make from the recipient team's perspective than making that trade beforehand but most teams with cap space aren't going to know that they're going to have 12 million to burn yeah i think you're on the right track here the now they can't actually trade this pick before the draft legally that they would have to do it after the pick is made because of the stepian rule but once the pick is made you're okay trading that guy uh they're also limited in terms of their seconds they only have three going forward pretty far out i think the first one they have to offer is 2022 but yeah who is going to be willing to do that and the timing is important here because they would have to clear out some space under this idea that i have going forward whether that's under the tax or to find a way to pay lopez more than the mid-level exception which we'll get to but first looking around the league the only team i think would be willing to do it is atlanta they're sitting on 43.5 million in space after july 1st but you can make the agreement at the time of the draft of course pretty much every other team is going to need to actually spend that money on a player or at least have designs of spending that money on a player to try and get better sacramento is maybe the other one at, at 37 million but they have a ton of, at the two already sacramento could probably actually use Ilyasova if they wanted to try and move him i do think Ilyasova and snell they don't really need those guys for next year and I think DJ Wilson could maybe step into the role that Ilyasova had. Some on Buck Twitter would tell you that DJ Wilson could have done Ilyasova's role better than him even this year. And Snell, of course, they've got Connaughton, they've got Braun, both of whom were deemed superior to Snell by Mike Budenholzer in these playoffs. So that is kind of 18 million of money. And, and Ilyasova, maybe on a one year, $7 million deal, would just have some appeal to a team, but they would have to trade him into cap space. There's no getting back a non guaranteed deal. The only uh, another potential option danny would be their previous trade partners the cleveland cavaliers to trade snell and Ilyasova for jr smith throw the 30th pick in there the problem there is that the Cavs would then be looking at a luxury tax payment this year and probably the 30th pick is a little bit too much or, or not enough i would say to get off of that salary especially for a team that's not trying to be competitive so that's probably not going to work either but here's the reason why i think 
if they can move those guys they should and there's also even the option of stretching Ilyasova if you really wanted to right now let's say you forget about Miritich you leave Chris Middleton's 19.5 million dollar cap hold on the books that'll enable you keep that on the books then when you're done with your other business you could bring back Middleton at up to the max Malcolm Brogdon his cap hold 3.0 million dollars same thing as a restricted free agent whatever he ends up getting you can match it no problem as long as you keep that three million on the book you keep the 30th pick on there as well and you're looking at 9.7 million dollars in space basically the same as the full mid-level exception and because brooke lopez has only been on the team one year he only made 3.4 million dollars last year the most they could pay him using non-bird rights is four million dollars so they got to dip into an exception or cap space to get him but let's say you're able to just clear off Ilyasova's seven million now you've got 15 million to start to offer brooke lopez let's say you can clear off Ilyasova and Snell now you've got 26 million you probably can't afford to keep Miritich's cap hold on the books and bring back Lopez as well but you might be able to keep Miritich's I should say bring back Lopez and pay Brooke Lopez using cap space but you might if you could bring back Lopez for the full mid-level exception you might be able to keep Miritich on the Brooks bring him back and then maybe fit below the apron let's see what that would look like here so let's say Middleton gets the max which would you agree with that Danny that he's probably gonna get the max 32 million 32.7 I think he's gonna have an offer like that on the table so the way that he would get less would be the DeRozan style thing where they give him an extra year and then it's less money at the start but and and the hope for the Bucks would probably be that they can have an idea of where it's going before they settle it but we'll have to see so we'll pencil Middleton in at 32.7 million to start maybe they get him to start for a little bit less than that let's say brogdon and restricted free agency or they're able to agree with him before restricted free agency starts call that 13 million per year he's probably hoping to get more than that but restricted free agency maybe that holds down his value then say miritich also you know around that 13 million dollar mark if you've gotten rid of snell and Ilyasova, now you do still have room to use the full mid-level exception on brooke lopez so you really bring back everyone from this team except for snell and Ilyasova under that scenario does that actually work a lot of moving pieces there getting rid of snell and Ilyasova, do they have the ammo to do that maybe maybe not uh brogdon miritich who's unrestricted maybe he doesn't even want to come back maybe he wants to just go start somewhere instead and he didn't even play in game six maybe he isn't even interested in coming back lopez for the full mid-level yeah maybe if they give him four years to get it up to a, a little over 40 million dollars he comes back in that scenario but yeah so so that's going to be tough but that's to me that would be their ultimate i think they kind of just view miritich as a as a rental they gave up those four second round picks again but two of those weren't very good second round picks so probably you would say that miritich is gone then i think the idea of getting rid of snell or Ilyasova, if it turns out that the mid-level exception isn't going to be enough for lopez or maybe you simply want to offer him fewer years then maybe it still makes sense to move on from Ilyasova, maybe even possibly stretch stretch snell whatever you want to do because then you could open up up to maybe 15 million dollars in room and i think that should be enough to get lopez do you see lopez's market similar to the way i do or do you think an offer above the full mid-level exception for four years would be out there for him i don't necessarily think the market is going to be insanely robust for years i think that's where milwaukee can get the advantage here you know for a single year or two-year contract i think there will be money out there but a lot of other teams will not have the appetite for a three four-year deal to somebody who's already in their 30s who is a big human being and while he hasn't dealt with as many though he's dealt with plenty of of like you know those the big man injury type of things i don't think i don't think of him as you know it's been quite some time i think i think uh 13 14 is the last year where he missed significant time duty right so but i still think that stuff lingers for a lot of different franchises and also he while a very good player you know he doesn't fit super well on a lot of the teams that have that have cap space that might be looking at you know max players or something like that you know obviously if they have space left after everything else you have that conversation so but requiring you know let's say it's a three or four year deal that is a big commitment for milwaukee that's beyond when Giannis is under contract at least for now and another possibility i don't want to work through all of the the pieces of this but it is kind of interesting mechanically that if that keeping middleton's hold on the books there might be a way to to finagle a little bit with that but i don't want to like the the bucks what's interesting about them is the optionality but it but it's almost all dependent other than brogdon because he's restricted on what these guys want because middleton it's we expect he'll be back they can offer more money that's a little bit more straightforward but for Lopez, i expect that he wants to be back you know i i expect that that's what he's looking at miritich who knows at this point and then the all of those decisions i i think in all likelihood they'll at least want to have a a, 
a pretty good idea of what's going on with those before making a decision on Snell, Ilyasova, clearing that money. And that's why I don't think that trade is probably going to happen because the assets they have, the 30th pick, you know, that is the chosen way beforehand. So, you know, maybe it could be a Jeremy Lamb situation where the Rockets took Jeremy Lamb intending to keep him. And then he ended up being a part of the Harden trade later on in the offseason. I think maybe it could go in that style. But again, that's hard to predict. Yeah. And they also have some other assets too. Uh, maybe somebody is interested in DiVincenzo. Maybe someone would be interested in Connaughton or Brown. Like they do have some sweeteners sure. available. And and even you know, Ilyasova, at a minimum, I think a second round pick in the future would be enough. I mean, he is a, a for a lot of teams, especially a good player, can stretch the floor. Um, a little bit overpaid maybe at $7 million. We didn't care for that contract last year. And it is kind of gumming things up for them a, a little bit here. And he's got a non-guaranteed third year on that at $7 million as well. He signed him originally a three-year 21 million uh that third year is the 2021 season so i think like that my approach would be being very aggressive to try to get off of snell and or Ilyasova and just open up as much flexibility as possible remember if, if lopez leaves and let's say they could move on from snell and Ilyasova, you keep milton and brogdon's holds on the books you might be able to spend 15 million in pure free agency and then you still got the room mid-level exception as well and still bring back lopez so that that would be another option too i mean they, they do as good as they were they still could use maybe another creator one more knockdown shooter i'm not sure necessarily who that player is in free agency i mean they have so many good cheap contributors they do have the luxury of not having to overpay for just you know some sort of three and d type of guy on the wing and maybe there isn't just you know a total difference maker out there for them and of course so much for them as well just depends on what happens in the rest of the east you could see things playing out if toronto brings back everyone they're probably the favorites again next year or maybe boston is kind of rebuilding or they've got Kyrie and anthony davis or philly they bring back everyone and and can add some depth pieces and they're looking really good next year or all three of those teams get hurt by departures and the bucks are just the dead bang obvious favorite in the east for next year with no real competition whatsoever so there's so i think you probably i guess that's a question of just is there just an upgrade available for this team somehow obviously they're probably going to try and bring everyone back and there isn't that piece out there but just in a vacuum like what do these guys need to get better i'd still like i mean a, a creator I, i've liked brogdon so much more as he can be a secondary guy but another option for if things grind down would be very useful and then if they could pull it especially if miritich leaves one more wing forward you know that type of player that allows you to do more Giannis at center as a change of pace you know i don't think they're going to go to that a lot in the regular season they assuming brook lopez comes back they have capable centers with him and, and dj wilson but i i think just the the to giving them more options so a ball handler and a wing it's not going to be the same guy because that player would be way more expensive than what they have but those two those would be the the niches the archetypes that i'd be looking yeah and they don't really have a huge role to offer a player like that right i mean miritich is a really good player yeah he failed in the conference finals but he's a guy who would start for probably 20 of the 30 teams in the league so or at least be a very key bench piece and they like didn't even necessarily have that much room for him so they might have money but they don't necessarily have a, a huge role for some sort of, of three and D contributor, they will need something at backup point guard with George Hill, and that's probably their biggest need. Assuming uh, that Hill is waived, they could potentially bring him back. But the way he played in these playoffs, he may have more of a market than they necessarily can afford, and they would have to use some sort of exception. They do not have the BAE available. They used that on Lopez last year, so even if they are operating below the apron, they wouldn't. And they bring back Lopez for the full mid level exception. They wouldn't have anything other than minimum to offer for George Hill and I, I think he can do better than that he, he certainly seemed uh relatively price conscious in terms of what he's made he did say well, that money wasn't important to him in the exit interviews but uh he also went to Sacramento two years ago I, I don't think this is going to come into play but I want to mention it just so people can think about it Hill is in that group and incidentally it didn't happen with Brooke Lopez back when he was on the Lakers of the circumstance where a player could take less for one year and then have full bird rights after that and then sign a subsequent deal it would be interesting 
because my understanding of the way the contract is structured that if you waive a guy and then you re-sign him yeah he loses his bird rights yeah okay so then yeah so then that's even harder for them to they can't do the brook lopez situation then and and also uh, so you you brought up all the east stuff that's happening i think that's important here also what offers materialize for lopez is what they know and when they know it like it could very well be that chris middleton that that decision happens or brook lopez's decision miritich happened before we know with durant or kyrie or whoever else and so do they have to commit not only salary but commit years you know like make this team their future their present which i mean they're an awesome team no matter what even if another talented east squad comes into play they're still i mean remember what this team was in the regular season they were historically great but it does feel different to see where to see where things go and i think horst is my instinct is that they might end up having to make some of these commitments before they know otherwise it gets way too risky because other than brogdon all these guys can leave of their own volition most importantly lopez because middleton they can offer him make all these commitments before they know what but how good the rest of the east is oh yeah well yeah, yeah I, I mean i think and you're still trying to you know there's going to be great players in the league even if they're in the west you go you're trying to win a championship yeah if so your goal is a championship then the idea is there yeah. will be great teams no matter what but I, i'm guessing that ownership is going to think about the power power dynamic the hierarchy of the east in terms of their willingness to pay the tax let's say and how much tax. yeah that, i suppose that that's a possibility um for middleton certainly will have suitors but as you mentioned on july 1st it may not be clear who's those suitors are uh, he's probably going to be the second choice for at least the good destinations now there aren't enough great players to go around for all the good destinations that are available but as, as far as him having leverage there may be some teams that come to him and say hey you know if katie doesn't sign here or Kawhi doesn't sign here we'd be interested in you uh, maybe a team like the lakers who knows whether they'll be in the mix for the best guys or not the sixers could be a, a really nice destination if harris uh, or butler were to leave but middleton will i think have some uncertainty i don't think he's going to have from at least a place he would rather go than milwaukee a dead bang hard offer of the max on july 1st and that might lead to some of that wiggle room for him to get the derozan type of contract the five years you know maybe for 10 or 20 million less than the max overall uh but still obviously a, a very lucrative contract that well, is a so, contract yeah sorry that gets into something that i think is is an important game of chicken and also just dynamic in the Middleton negotiations. So next year will be his age 28 season. You know, obviously much better player now, much better reputation than the last the last time he was signing a new contract. I'm assuming he would rather have a five-year deal than a three plus one, meaning a three-year deal with a fourth-year player option, because presumably that's the most favorable thing that another team can offer. And I think that's another element that Milwaukee can, can rely on, is that he would rather have the extra year of security instead of like, oh yeah, I can get out in free agency again in three years, basically right before his third birthday yeah or sorry right after his 30th birthday maybe that's maybe that's in play but i don't know i think he'd rather just lock it in now have this be his last like real real big contract yeah and he did say family first uh, fit second were his two priorities in his exit interviews today he did take less from the bucks when i think he could have had max offers in 2015 we'll see whether he has uh, the same approach this time and that's going to be in a vacuum not a good contract uh, if he gets the full max uh, for five years by the end but they've got little choice here i mean they can't just let him go so they're just gonna have to pay it it's just how i mean they'll take too much of a step back next year without him they have no way to replace him you know unless uh they want to try to get in the mix for like KD or something. i mean they could have max space in theory if they take middleton's cap hold off the books but uh don't see them going in that direction so backup point guard they also you know they could play brogdon in that role they've got Giannis. they've got a, a lot of ball handlers bledsoe is under contract by the way for anyone who wants to trade eric bledsoe they can't do that until six months after he signed his extension which i believe was in march possible he could be a trade candidate going forward but it, not this summer and uh on the backup point guard market and you're looking for someone who's got some size not gonna be a defensive liability but i don't see them necessarily getting anyone as good as what hill gave them in the playoffs hill was bad in the regular season to be sure but i'm not sure if free agency is the route there i think they could just go in without a traditional backup point guard for the season and then the buyout market the trade market that sort of thing to fill that out eventually i'm not gonna be freaking out if they don't have an experienced backup point guard. you know maybe they could go with 
with bring back tim frazier next year you know someone along those lines anything else to talk about uh, on these guys i think i'm uh, about spent here no i i think that's pretty good and it's a lot to deal with but generally speaking they're really good problems to have considering their success this year and and the, the bird rights i think are a massive part of this that other than brooke lopez who has his own has his issues everybody else if they can they can offer more money and i think that will that could make the difference with some of those guys yeah and my prediction ultimately is that they don't end up doing what i was suggesting with snell and Ilyasova and miritich is gone but they do find a way to bring back everyone else that's my prediction maybe maybe i'm not giving them enough credit as far as Ilyasova. and my hope is that they are willing to pay the tax but this is going to be a very interesting question for ownership because if you are not willing to pay the tax in this situation you probably shouldn't be a pro sports owner basically <laughs> especially when you just got all this public money but they have this fractious ownership group you remember it was just a, a year ago that they were going through all this stuff uh, with john horst and couldn't agree uh, on a gm and then they did end up finding mike budenholzer and he was fantastic obviously maybe that was two years ago i can't remember the, the, the whole justin zanuck thing um but they ended up with a great coach and, and we haven't heard issues Issues about infighting but when it comes to actually paying the tax maybe that's something that it could become a, an issue if some of them want to and some of them don't spending a lot of time on these offseason previews talking about which free agents would be the best fit with these teams well if you want to know what's the best fit for you you're not gonna have to look very far at all just check out indochino they make suits and shirts your exact measurements for unparalleled fit and comfort they're the official outfitter of my wedding got a great tux from them a couple other suits from them as well it's just so superior to the off the rack suit buying experience at indochino not only is the fit custom but so is everything else the lapels the lining you can get it monogrammed single breasted double breasted over 100 different fabrics you can either measure yourself at home or go to one of their 40 showrooms in north america they're expanding like crazy right now and visit one of their stylists to have them take your measurements and see all the fabrics in person this week my listeners can get any premium indochino suit for just 379 dollars at indochino.com when in that familiar cap space code at checkout easy remember we've been talking about it all the time during these off-season previews 50 percent off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit plus shipping is free that's indochino.com promo code cap space for just 379 dollars on a custom-made premium suit and free shipping once you go custom you don't go back and don't forget that cap space code let them know that you came from us let's talk now about the minnesota timberwolves gerson rosas new president of basketball operations executive vice president of basketball operations is now sashin gupta who was in the rockets organization then who's with sam hinkey in philly recently assistant gm with the pistons very imaginative thinker worked of course with rosas in houston and uh they're gonna need a fair amount of creativity to get them out of this yeah that's definitely true i mean so the timberwolves have massive obligations to andrew wiggins and carl anthony towns both of those players due to the kind of the structure of the way the the salary cap grew and both of them on 25 percent max contracts both are making about 27 million for 1920 then that jumps to 29.5 31.5 33.7 and then that's when Wiggins expires and Towns has one more year. So between those two players, you're getting to 60 million really fast. And they're fortunate, we could argue, that Towns did not qualify as an All-NBA player and bumped that from 25% to 30%. But even without their other obligations, Gorgie Jang, Covington, Jeff Teague for the upcoming season, just having two players at that highest salary is a lot to have on your books. Absolutely. And as a result of that now, they are over the cap, very little maneuvering room, could even be flirting with the tax. We'll see whether they decide to use their full mid-level exception or not. And really do not project to have significant cap space going forward until the 2021 offseason. But even then, with Robert Covington, Towns, Wiggins, and Josh Okogie on the books, in addition to their draft picks in the next couple of years, will probably add another $10 million or so to that. You're still only looking at like $22 million in space. And those are three guys you think, are, in theory, are part of your core. Obviously, Wiggins is the big issue there because his production is not 
not good enough and then you've also of course got Gorgie Jang who sits at 16.2 million this year 17.3 million the year after that who is giving them I mean at best I would say average backup center production which is you know he's probably overpaid by 12 million bucks or so at least so and so where you get into another complicated circumstance for Rosas and the front office here is what would you theoretically be gaining by using assets because Jang unequivocally and Wiggins by most accounts you and I both picked him as the worst contract in the league are negative value contracts so it is not a circumstance like some of the other ones around the league where okay they need a little wiggle room they could create it by trading this player maybe a team doesn't see them as a 15 million dollar year player they see them as a 10 and then you you figure out a, a way to do it Minnesota might just be a little bit stuck unless somebody really likes Andrew Wiggins over the next couple of years because they can create space but it's going to require assets and and that's a really bad way to use assets unless you're really creating the value to sign a much better player let's say as opposed to breathing room under the tax or something like that yeah it doesn't seem like they'll necessarily be a free agent destination to me the biggest question is what does this group think of andrew wiggins he just completed the first year of that contract I and mean, well below average from an efficiency standpoint really has gone downhill since his second year maybe it was his third year in the nba i can't remember which his best year was but certainly no indications that he's going to snap out of that maybe he still has the patina of a player with a lot of athleticism and a lot of upside perhaps perhaps there would be a team out there that would be willing to just kind of take him on or take him on for a contract that expires at the end of this year or, or just even someone who can play and maybe there's a team this summer that would strike out in free agency and might be willing to just take him for maybe in a lopsided trade salary wise you know certainly a, a team like the sacramento kings comes to mind there a team that really needs a three especially if harrison barnes opts out maybe they can't come to an agreement with him maybe a team like chicago which has about 15 million in room cristiano felicio maybe could be involved in a trade like that and certainly you would think the organization oh we just can't take the the pr hit of oh we signed this guy to a max contract we picked him number one overall and now we're pretty much dumping him i'm not sure there's a team out there that would actually give value for wiggins i'm not sure maybe rosas got hired saying hey you know what? we think we can rehabilitate him and get him better make him a, a part of, of what we're trying to do here to win so who knows what their view is is on him but if it were me i think they should try to strike while the iron is hot and just get off of that contract as long as you don't have to give up significant assets to, to do so if such a deal were out there i don't know if they are going to look at that though very closely yeah they absolutely should and wiggins i mean four more years left at a sum total of 122 million dollars so the years there might be a, a big piece of sticker shock because it's not just like oh it's a two-year contract then you can can move on it's it's four and I don't know if there's if there's a team out there, but what I would do is you pursue it, and if there isn't a reasonable deal, then you, you keep moving forward. And then another interesting question kind of along those lines of not necessarily do you move them or do you not, but where is the line is Jeff Teague. So Teague, talented player, $19 million for next year. If Rosas and ownership feels that the Wolves can make the playoffs next year, I think that Teague is likely an important part of that picture. But if they have a different approach, maybe after the best point guard free agents go off the board maybe even some of the trade targets like Mike Conley then Rosas could theoretically pitch Teague as a low-cost reasonable offer if some of the other guys like let's say Ricky Rubio want multi-year deals would you rather have Jeff Teague one year 19 or Rubio on a three or four-year deal depends on what the number for Rubio is but I could see an argument especially if the asset price is not particularly high for Jeff Teague and for Minnesota what that does is it gets them some breathing room and if they feel they're not a playoff team next year which I doubt again this is the idea of optimism versus realism then you could get into that boat and so and that's why I think Teague is another guy that we should talk about in this same part of the conversation yeah I, I don't think they're as delusional as you maybe if if they are going to try and compete next year Robert Covington when they had him in the lineup they looked pretty good Carl Anthony Towns went to yet another level offensively towards the, the end of the season Sharich they probably think that he can take a, a little bit of a step forward for them uh, as well and if they move on from Teague whose value is certainly at an AD year and it had to be shut down with the various lower body injuries towards the end of the season if they move on from him then who's playing point guard Tyus Jones restricted free agent he really took a step back last year I don't know if they want to keep his rights and then bring him back as the starter he's someone I could actually see returning 
earning on the qualifying offer potentially uh if they in fact offer him one uh that's probably something we should actually look at is, is what his qualifying offer is just in terms of what those negotiations are going to look like and then you got Derek rose as well who you would think they would want to bring back as a capped out team but that could potentially impact their luxury tax issues but it's hard for me to see them moving on from teague without having any other kind of solution at point guard i think teague can obviously play much better than he did last year which was really a lost season for him due to injury despite the fact that it, he's getting a little long in the tooth at the point in time right and what might be the natural solution there is to give teague the beginning of the season and see where the team is january 1st at the trade deadline wherever in that time frame they they have a better idea of where they are hopefully teague has rehabilitated his value a little bit and i i agree also that the creation of cap space or a little bit of luxury tax breathing room is not a sufficient reason to trade teague unless somebody offers some value back on the tyus jones question i I have that information handy jones qualifying offer so that means the offer that they have to give him would be one year 3.6 million dollars and then that comes with a cap hold because those two numbers are different in this circumstance the cap hold would be 7.3 million dollars but that cap hold doesn't really matter too much for minnesota they're over the cap anyway so i would say they will will put a qualifying offer on the table maybe they wouldn't match an offer sheet if, if one got put in in a range that was unreasonable for them but you know it for me capable backup point guard who has upside 3.6 million is a reasonable qualifying offer to make yeah that, that seems a, and hope that he can improve from where he was last year and i wouldn't see another team making him him a long-term offer that they would really want to think that closely about matching you know you could see something maybe on the open market if there's a team that really liked him his on-off base stats were pretty good he shot the ball pretty well up until last year so maybe you could see a team wanting to do you know a three-year 15 million dollar offer at the most i would probably think pretty closely about not matching that if i were the wolves but again it's tough to find that kind of an offer out there when you're not really a starter level of player so i i would anticipate them coming to some kind of an agreement and maybe it does end up dragging out but i i think if i had to pick on just one outcome whether it's him re-signing with the team picking going on the qualifying offer or having an offer sheet submitted i think the qualifying offer is the most realistic of those obviously that's not set in stone uh and then the other interesting thing here and again we'll focus in on their finances where they including their number 11 overall pick have about 15 million dollars in room under the tax they have early bird rights on Derek Rose and this is one of those ones where you have the ability to pay him but because you're over the cap you don't have the ability to pay someone else to replace him necessarily but then and there is a little bit of a zero-sum game between rose and using the full mid-level exception because they have the that 15 million or so under the tax and it's only with nine players including their draft pick on the roster so even if they use the full mid-level at 9.2 million they might be hard pressed unless there's a cost-cutting move that's made to use that full mid-level and also stay under the tax and so now you get into the question of how much would it cost to retain rose he is injury prone are they going to find another talent like him probably not they can offer him a pretty big role with teague either playing with him or closing some games potentially if teague isn't as effective i'm not sure that rose is thinking of himself as a starter at this point just due to the injury issues and probably no one else is either around the league so that's the question would you rather just spend nine point two million somewhere outside the organization or maybe eight million or so would you rather bring back rose and how much is he gonna cost is he gonna i mean it wouldn't shock me if rose has offers you know in the range of like 15 million guaranteed depending on the number of years so would you want to bring him back on a like a one plus one at five million a year would that be enough for him maybe not i rose is someone i really don't have a great understanding of his market i'm guessing it'll probably be lower than maybe what his performance last year when healthy indicated due to just the baggage and the injuries uh in particular and and rose having resurrected his career in minnesota may want to give them a little bit of a a hometown discount as well so there's a, a lot of concerns there um what do you see as their major needs at this point in time and we'll just assume that we can't say uh shooting guard is small forward because andrew wiggins i mean they need someone better than andrew wiggins but he's going to be there and so realistically you know what else could they be looking at what do, what do you see as their major 
major issue. I mean, they actually have a decent amount of depth given the constraints that we're, that we're giving them. I mean, Covington, Sharich, capable forward rotation. Towns is, is awesome, especially offensively, and has taken strides defensively. And they have some depth pieces. Akogi, Jang, they could theoretically re-sign Taj Gibson, though it seems like they could go in a bunch of different directions at that kind of a spot. I would say... Yeah, I could see Gibson pricing himself out of, of sure, uh, absolutely. their market, especially if there's a team that sees him as a backup center who can maybe play a little bit of four still. Yeah, like like a team's third big. Like the, if he can get into that price range, which I think is more in the like four to seven million dollar range as opposed yeah. to the fourth big, then that yeah. would be... That Taj would be is another one of those type of players where I just have... Because there's, there's cap space and there's exceptions out there, but there's also just so many free agents. He's one of those guys who are really, you know, is he going to have a chair when the music stops? I, I don't really have a good sense of that right now. Yeah, and also with players who are on the fringes of that, which teams have cap space will matter a lot because there may be certain constituencies that Taj has within the league. And if those teams strike out on free agents, then they'd be more interested in him than others. But back to your question, I would like to see more shooting. I think that's that's a real benefit yeah. they could have. And that could come at the two, three, or four, I mean, or the one theoretically. It would be great if they could get a point guard of the future, but the means they have for that are not particularly strong. Like It's just hard to do that with the mid-level because any point guard of the future is going to be restricted and match rights and all that kind of fun stuff. And then they don't really have a ton of assets in terms of trade other than the 11 pick. So yeah, I would say shooting is there. Maybe a little bit more defensive versatility. I think that they have some nice pieces for that. So adding a little bit more, you know, like Covington, Sharich, maybe Towns, depending on what system they're going to go into. Like you can do some things there. And I think adding one more piece, Okogi might be that guy, but just having another option there could be useful. But yeah, shooting, ideally a low usage shooter, considering some of the high usage players that are already on this roster, like maybe like a Reggie Bullock could be an interesting option there. But also this is the, uh, and I wrote about this a long time ago when I did their offseason preview for the Athletic, the the mid-level exception is really the first signing that we're going to get that Rosas and can use to give an indication of what Ryan Saunders wants. And so maybe Ryan Saunders wants to use somebody like Wayne Ellington, who you can use more of a screening system and you know, like go and in, go into something fundamentally different from what Thibodeau did. And that could open up some new doors, but I'm not sure exactly which ones it opens. So it's kind of hard to speculate. Yeah, I would say their number one need to me other than an upgraded point guard, which I just don't think is realistic. And also worth noting too, that they're really in their range. People are talking about Kobe White going far above where they are right now. It doesn't seem like a point guard is necessarily going to be available in their range where they're picking uh and especially if they want to play a kogi more which i'm sure that they'll want to to try and get better defensively and this is a team that actually you know i think if a kogi and covington are both healthy next year they could take some strides forward defensively but i think they just need at any position really just a, a real knockdown shooter covington is more of a volume guy wiggins you know his shooting limitation sharich is you know he'll take those but he's not again someone that you're just quaking in fear of but right who is that guy i think wayne ellington would be a wonderful fit with this group but the question becomes what his price tag is going to be and is there someone at the four who's really just like a bomber that they can afford i, I thought anthony tolliver was a, a very logical signing maybe he's someone they might want to bring back and, and in fact tolliver made 5.7 million next year or last year so maybe they could try to bring him back i mean they even played him at the threesome when covington was out maybe they could try to bring him back for a little bit less than that number but they still can legally pay him another way to use some of their abilities in terms of bird rights but again the tax issues that come into play there and i would be shocked if they're interested in paying the tax next year but you think with rosas gupta those guys really are going to want to upgrade the shooting i see that as the biggest realistically addressable need on this roster at this point in time Though he isn't, that isn't the biggest strength of his game. I would be very interested in somebody like Jared Dudley on this team to kind of give them more of a another oh, op- sure. option at yeah. forward, help their defensive identity, maybe help help you know kind of build the foundations. And I don't know exactly what his price. You know, we have a lot of these challenging guys involved in the Wolves conversation, and that is in some ways a benefit for Minnesota is that if let's say they have the full MLE or close to it, there are two tracks for this season for those sorts of teams. One is you go hard early and you hope. 
that a player just is risk averse and wants to commit and maybe you can get a really good player there the 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 you can also give out the felicio contract right there. exactly so but but let's say like alfrica meaning like you maybe you can strike right. on somebody that is that would be get interest but is not high enough on teams priority lists and so many teams have larger amounts of cap space so that's one idea the other idea is to see who falls through the cracks and at that point minnesota will have more to offer than a lot of other teams especially more than teams you know than a lot of the teams they'll be in that mix will be less competitive granted minnesota also has less playing time to offer so it will depend on what that player wants and my instinct is that door door number two is better than door number one this year just because of the sheer volume of free agents we know that there are going to be guys available but the more specified your skill set the you're going to get into that and then also a big differentiator is short-term versus long-term contracts so if they want to try to secure value on a multi-year deal i think you strike early but if you want you know like somebody who is disappointed that the market didn't materialize for them wants to get back on the market next year but thinks minnesota is a good option then maybe you can go a little bit later in the market and the shooting crop is it's solid you know i think i think there are there are enough guys especially considering we talked about the multi-position element for minnesota it's not like we need a like they need a three shooter and so there are only a couple of those guys they could get somebody at a couple different spots and it could work so i would lean towards being patient and just seeing who's out there unless there's somebody that they absolutely love as a fit and can reach out early and think they could actually say yes yeah in the stretch four market mike scott would be an interesting one there ryan anderson if he ends up getting waived he he, remember uh, rosas was in houston when they brought in anderson uh, on that four-year 80 million dollar deal on the lower end dragon bender could be an interesting buy low candidate for this team maybe if they could get some sort of a i think they really need more passing on this team too and maybe bender could provide a, a little bit of that that's a i think is a big weakness for this group like carl anthony towns might be their best passer on this team either him or sharich uh going down to and i think you've also got the option of playing covington at the four wiggins at the three it's easier i think to find shooting as a stretch four when those guys are kind of one-dimensional sure uh, and I, I was thinking about like rolling the dice on a couple of guys like let's say Furkan Korkmaz where yeah he'd be an interesting one yeah I mean he could get play, they could offer him the opportunity of playing time if he earns it maybe they could even do something with structured guarantees so that if he makes the team he gets a lot more money quickly or something yeah and uh, we may be they may be looking at guys who you know are really more on the fringe at the two and and you know you mentioned Ellington Seth Curry I think could be useful for them if they don't bring back Rose in particular just to can play on or off the ball really improve their shooting there and they all of course need to get much better defensively too but it seems like Sharich is going to be the main guy at the four they made that trade to bring him in so maybe there's a, a chance of getting someone who's a little bit more of a defensive player in that spot can i, don't I throw think a name gonna... for you uh yeah garrett temple i think he would be a really nice fit for them that's more of a two but still i think he could fit well yeah so a lot of it's going to come down to whether they value bringing back some of these incumbent guys and whether those guys want to stay or whether they want to go outside the organization anything else on these guys i think i'm, I'm pretty much uh pretty i much have one more, uh, one more thing that we should just bring up i don't think we need to have an extended conversation dario sharch is extension eligible and that he he would if if they do not come to an agreement he would have a cap hold of 10.4 million for the 2020-21 season and i i could probably just you know be in the kind of the standard situation in the modern era for this is if he's willing to accept something that rosas feels is team friendly you can just agree to it now but if not then you see where things are after next year and it is distinctly possible that charge raises his value this year especially if he starts but it's match rights there's going to be less money available next year especially if teams spend recklessly this summer as i expect so i i think you hold firm on on only doing a reasonable deal yeah and i'm not sure i would want to commit anything to charge that he would actually want to take given what he's shown so far i think giving him a full year with covington see what this team looks like i mean they may be in just total blow it up mode if they win 32 games next year uh other than carl anthony towns the wolves uh, maybe they have a a coin flips chance of making the playoffs next year we'll have to see how things shake out but if you're buying sneakers online there's more than a coin flips chance that the shoe you're looking at is fake of course that online does not include goat.com because everything on goat.com is guaranteed certified to match exact factory specifications the way it works is they partner with sellers that have great reputations and then that seller sends the shoe to goat and they have trained experts who will actually look at it and confirm that it's exactly what it is purported to be they inspect the stitching the color the size and the way they know what a pair of jordans are supposed to 
smell like. And what's more, you're not going to find better prices for verified 100% authentic sneakers anywhere else. Go to goat.com. You know how to spell it. G-O-A-T. Goat.com slash cap space before the sneakers you want are gone. Once again, that's goat.com slash cap space. Is your own slash cap space as we talk about all the time here on the program, especially during scintillating off-season previews. Once more, goat.com slash cap space. Use that slash cap space URL to let them know they came from us. We talked about these guys as having one of the more fascinating off seasons a year ago it seems like they fall into that category nearly every year and yet in free agency they haven't really been able to make the type of splash that you would hope well no actually i'm sorry i take that back this is we're talking about the pacers here obviously you read the title of the program so i guess i just blew all the drama boyan bogdanovich certainly was an excellent signing we didn't think so at the time we actually thought that was a bad deal but he actually was outstanding and and darren collison gave them below average starting point guard play for two years 10 million now those guys are free agents and that's probably where we need to start here is with the sheer number of free agents that they have well yeah yeah go ahead sorry i I like that we're doing the pacers and the bucks together because i think they have some similar elements in that both teams best players are under contract for a couple years incidentally the same number of years and a lot of the supporting pieces that helped make them successful this year are on the market and so and and are unrestricted free agents in both cases brogdon in milwaukee's case being really the lone exception so in this one the pacers have this um, pretty remarkable crop of, of free agents that includes three starters that would be Thaddeus Young, Bojan Bogdanovic, and Darren Collison, but also Corey Joseph, Kyle O'Quinn, and then Wes Matthews, who they picked up as a buyout recipient. He wanted to, the opportunity to get regular playing time. We'll see if that worked out for him in terms of the market. And Indiana, so that's, that's a lot of volume, but it also gives them some real variability here because they have a couple of players, and I would say Bogdanovic is the most compelling here that they have early bird rights I think are going to be sufficient to sign him. They won't need to dip into cap space. And Bogdanovich has a modest cap hold because he was on what what became a pretty team-friendly contract. So they have bird rights if they want to go the retention route. The Pacers are not going to have cap space to work with for the most part. But there are other tools not only where they clear the decks and get cap space like some other teams have in the past but where they keep certain pieces and then have a little bit of cap space to work. Yeah, and so let's get into those numbers a a little bit here. With no cap holds from any of their departing free agents on the book they have 43.8 million in cap space only eight players under contract including their draft pick at least that i expect to be retained they might we might see alizé johnson brought back he's he's on a non-guarantee that's the only big decision they have to make they also have edmund sumner who they signed off of a two-way halfway through the year uh he's got a team option for 1.6 million so th- those are kind of their two decisions to make the team option of course they have to decide on before june 29th it might be a little bit earlier i'm not sure the exact date and then johnson his guarantee dates later so uh july 15th now you get into the cap holds bogdanovich having been on the team for two years his cap hold is 13.7 but 130 percent is an early bird free agent of what he made last year 10.5 they can pay him however up to 175 percent of what he made last year as a starting salary and then they can also offer him eight percent annual raises uh, as opposed to five which another team could offer bogdanovich however is also 30 years old and coming off a career year this offseason and it's likely to be quite in demand as a, a shooter and an improved defender at that position let's say they keep his cap hold on the books now you're at 31 million dollars in space and then you come into thaddeus young 20 million dollar cap hold probably won't take that much to resign him unless they wanted to do like a one-year deal or something made 13.8 million last year another guy age 31 very very important i had him second team all all defense a year ago not quite the kind of modern player but a decent fit with miles turner's shooting if they wanted to actually have miles turner stand out at the three-point line and shoot every once in a while but certainly you're running into the same issue where if you're paying him like bogdanovich for the performance that he delivered last year going forward you're looking at that likely being not a great contract then you've also got collison and joseph uh, as mentioned as well they have early bird rights on collison that'll be enough to bring him back they can pay him up to 17.5 million and then joseph they have full bird rights on 
on uh they can pay him whatever they want to should they want to bring him back Tyreek Evans of course has been suspended so we won't be talking about them bringing him back at all so I find them in a difficult situation here Danny because I don't know that if they let Young or Bogdanovich go that they can do better than those guys with for the money that they're going to cost but yet those guys are probably going to be signed to bad contracts anyway so it's they're in a little bit of an issue here I mean is there anyone out there that you like better for them at the three and the four than those guys I don't necessarily see anyone I don't either and the Pacers might be this year's quintessential years not dollars team because you also have the problem where you brought this up in terms of ages young and Bogdanovich in their early 30s significantly older than Oladipo and Turner so theoretically the Pacers could pivot or when those guys get closer to the primes the veterans they're signing now will be further away from theirs and so then that leaves the team less room to grow and improve also Indiana not typically a free agent destination so the idea that somebody's going to like take a discount to go there they could offer playing time uh, because if they're replacing Thad Young and all that but if you're looking at starter quality players they're going to be having playing time on the table for everybody so that's not a big deal maybe you could look at you know let's say like Marcus Morris as a a forward option I don't like him nearly as much as Thad Young yeah and they desperately need that shooting too at the three right unless unless I mean because they they don't have any point guards under contract too right now I mean that's that's the other thing right is uh, what are you going to do there you you might and maybe the strategy is let's say we have we keep Bogdanovich we can bring back Thad Young sign him to something starting in the 10 to 15 million dollar range who knows how many years that'll be Bogdanovich only counts for 13 million you do that you still got high teens or so to go after someone at the point guard position but then you look at the at who's available and who is that George Hill not a bad fit next to Victor Oladipo though that's the other big question is you know what is Oladipo going to look like here coming back you know that is a very serious injury well, and, and what is his and what is his ideal role you know like do you do you want him with the ball in yeah. his hands more than you go with somebody more off ball like george hill it, it, there are a couple different ideas out there and this isn't i, I mean is, i i think they need more shooting i think they got to get more shooting at the point guard position if they're and you just you have to just operate as if oladipo is going to come back good I, I think maybe what you do if you really think like oh man he's just not making it back here you know he's not looking good we don't think he's going to start the season looking that great then maybe you kind of treat it as a consolidation year and let some of these guys go and try to maintain flexibility or you might say and they could do this regardless of how old depot is looking let's just especially in the case of young i don't know if the strategy will work for padanovich because i think he's going to have some other big offers out there but maybe in the case of young you could say okay let's what if we pay you using your full board rights 20 million this year with the team option for next year of, of 20 million, or, or a non-guarantee a, a significant non-guarantee next year something like that now you do that and maybe it complicates your ability to bring in a point guard if you had to decide between you know going the kind of stopgap Corey joseph bringing him back to be the starter or letting thaddeus young go because i think that's what it's assuming they can keep bogdanovich who will be their number one priority they could be in a situation they really have to decide all right are we going to keep thaddeus young and potentially either overpay him for too many years or you know we'll just give him a big balloon payment or trying to get something in point guard between those two things what would you be prioritized with this free agent crop i'd rather have thaddeus young assuming the deal is at least close to reasonable because the point guard market just isn't particularly inspiring this year and even like let's say ricky rubio is a talented player i, mean, I don't is it think any he's... more inspiring next year is the question <laughs> no <clears throat> no it, it it really is not and i mean next year could be lowry teague maybe mike conley fred van vliet van vliet actually is an interesting fit next to oladipo i, I would like somebody yep. a little bit bigger uh but another another option that i would consider for them and this is maybe more of the kind of a piecemeal approach would be getting guys that are more complimentary fits but not as not as high price tag so like i've been thinking about austin rivers as a theoretical fit next to oladipo now for a little while he's played next to ball dominant guys at a few different stops now i think it works reasonably well with his skill set and he's defended bigger players before so depending on what kind of defensive system mcmillan wants with whoever's on the roster after this point they could go maybe with something along those lines or, or maybe like rivers and a, a smaller like a lower point guard ish smith seth curry george hill you know in that range and maybe you're using more like the mle whether it's the room mid-level or part of the non-taxpayer mid-level whichever way they go that might be one way of one way of approaching it and also i would love to see and this is partially because of the mcdermott signing 
was so disappointing. I'd love to see them actually add forward depth if it's at all reasonably possible. Just another another element would be great for them. But that is a lot to ask given all of the other irons that are in the fire. Two other questions loom for this offseason. One is, what are you going to do with DeMontis Simone? You've already got Turner, who I think is a superior player, under contract going forward. At, I think a pretty decent deal is $18 million a year extension kicks in this season so bonus has one more year and then becomes a, a restricted free agent next year i don't think it makes much sense to come to an agreement that he again that he would be interested in you know it's hard to see him with his permanent production wanting to accept less than 10 million a year and i wouldn't want to pay him more than that given his redundancy with turner but maybe you just decide all right you know what we're gonna just put Sabonis next to turner this year we're gonna let that young go and we're just gonna see whether it works or not and maybe there's something to be said for that and they maybe this plan is going to be fluid too if they can't they just the cost i'm bringing back bogdanovich is just too crazy and same thing with young and they just say all right you know what we're gonna have to let these guys go we're not gonna you know we'll have to replace them with stop gas we'll do the best we can but we're not gonna hamstring our long-term flexibility and we'll use this year as a little bit more of experimentation we don't know if victor's gonna be the same guy anyway let's see how it goes with sabonis playing next to turner uh, both of them starting together we'll see if we can come up with just a you know a much cheaper stretch four option off the bench to play with both of those guys maybe that's the approach uh and that generally i don't think has been the sort of foresight that this organization has shown if you can even term that foresight you know i do think they're going to make every effort to bring back bogdanovich and young but I, I will say this too this is probably the organization more than any other in the nba that i've just been wrong about like i thought the paul george trade was terrible uh i thought that Savonis wasn't any good i thought that bogdanovich was a bad signing uh and that then they shouldn't have guaranteed him for next year and that was uh, all that was completely wrong and then i i thought evans would be pretty good for them and he wasn't good uh <clears throat> so i thought the turner extension was a bad idea and then he really broke out defensively and now that looks like a bargain so i i will freely admit that i have been way off now speaking of potentially being way off we haven't discussed the name aaron holiday at all yet and yeah that's a good point perhaps there's a thinking of well maybe if we bring back Corey joseph next year at something similar to the money that he made this year can I expect that he could be the starter going into the season we'll let collison go and then holiday can just become the other part of that two-headed monster point guard and he can at least shoot it a little better and maybe he'll get there do you think that he is ready yet in that type of a role yeah i do i think that he can get there and holiday isn't wasn't older can get there like this year yeah i think so to be uh, this is massive ucla bias here no i i I don't (laughs) think to be a backup to be a backup point guard yeah I think well, a, but but it's I think it's a little bit. I don't more think than he'll be. Because, I don't think he'll end next year as like their clear cut starting point guard of the future. No, but in the like, can you play him fifteen to twenty minutes a game on a team that wants to win games? Sure, I think he can get there. Yeah. Now, if you're going to bring back Joseph, you kind of acknowledge he's just not good enough as an offensive point guard, and so there's a hope maybe that Holiday could grow into at least closing some games. You know, the same type of role that Collison had a year ago, and you know, it certainly it was a struggle at many times for holiday last year 52 percent true shooting 34 percent for three i mean that's not bad and he was a, an older rookie so if you believe it in your draft and development and bring back another point guard is just going to be too expensive or bring in another point guard is be too expensive then you know maybe you just go in that direction maybe they feel even that tj leaf could step into the third big role next to sabonis and turner next year i'm far less sanguine about that one than uh, aaron holiday being able to contribute next year uh there's a number that i yeah. want to put out there and i think this is incredibly salient for how their front office is going to approach this offseason that number is points sorry is plus six Plus six is their cleaning the glass net rating on the night before Victor Oladipo got hurt. They were tied for fourth. Actually, sorry, tied for third in the NBA. It was Boston, Toronto, and Indy all tied in net rating at that exact moment in time for third, fourth, and fifth in the NBA. Also second, third, fourth in, in the Eastern Conference. And my instinct is that Pritchard and, and ownership, whoever whoever the key decision makers are, are going to use that to say, yes, this season ended in disappointment. We got the five seed. We got trucked by the Boston Celtics, but there's a better team in here, and I expect that to win the day, for better or for worse. And a lot of the determination on whether that is for better or for worse is on the contracts they give Young and Bogdanovich. Yeah, and that was a snapshot in time. It looked really good, but maybe Bogdanovich and Young just aren't going to be able to duplicate that performance. And maybe, I mean, Oladipo was not having the greatest year until he got hurt, but who knows if he's going to get back to the same level either. But again, I think you just have to kind of proceed it as 
as if he's going to be because you know what else are you without if you don't have victor oladipo on this team you're really really mediocre uh so yeah th- I mean, it's gonna be really interesting to see what they end up doing what's matthews maybe if he enjoyed his time there they could look at, to bring him back and certainly possible that maybe they could go in that direction as well although as we mentioned i think the bigger need is power forward and point guard assuming they bring back bogdanovich maybe west matthews could be someone they could look to bring back at the three if bogdanovich leaves but you know i think i don't know they don't have any kind of bird rights on him they would have to break into some cap space to do it and as mentioned with some of the low cap holds that are out there they could maybe do that uh so he's certainly another option and, and having a guy who can shoot the ball and defend his position even at 32 as matthews is is always worthwhile one more question here for you potentially in the offseason victor oladipo is now extension eligible they could sign him on for an additional three years he's got two years left so three more years after that they could bring him back and offer him up to 120 percent of what he'd be making in the last year of the contract so that would be a little over 25 million dollars and you could do, go three years out from there a would you offer that b do you think that he would take it so we're all on the same page here the upcoming season will be Oladipo's age 27 season. So that means this extension would be starting at age 29. So 29, 30, 31, let's say, if it's L3 years. Yeah, I would offer that. I don't think he would accept it, but I would offer it. It, it is risky. We don't know exactly what's going on with his recovery. The Pacers presumably know significantly more than we do. But both as a showing of goodwill and, I mean, Oladipo, even if it was more the 17-18 season than the 18-19 season, think about what he represents for them as like really the best that they can do. And they already have significant spending for Miles Turner in two of the theoretical three years of that extension. And it's not like they're a huge cap space maven. So yeah, I would offer it and I don't expect him to accept it. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting one. If you're risk averse, you would take it because you never know what's going to happen. You had that one really good year. Also, as you mentioned, this is 27. So, so that extension would be his 29 through 31 seasons. And as a guy who's pretty reliant on athleticism, I would take that deal if i were him especially if i could get like a player option on the end in particular but i don't know if he would i don't know if he would want to stay in indiana you know there's a lot of other aspects to it and maybe if you're the pacers you think well we can always revisit extension talks next year now if he comes back and has a great year you probably can't afford him at that price you'd probably want more well and then you get into the big problem because he is yeah he's not designated yeah veteran extension eligible because of when he was traded yeah for for those who want to dig into it i did a i did a piece on this it was such a fascinating circumstance because even though the Paul George trade was agreed to before the moratorium which would have then made Oladipo theoretically eligible should he qualify the trade was not consummated until after so he is not eligible for a designated veteran extension or contract with the Pacers or anyone else and so then you get into the you know the circumstance where the extension rules are still a little bit broken and the Pacers would have to deal with the possibility that he hits the unrestricted market and and that's another reason why I would offer that extension because it's just that that downside risk is is pretty significant to me more so than the downside risk that he's not quite worth 25 to 27 million yeah to me uh, yeah coming off this injury man i and as reliant on athleticism as he is and the fact that he only had the one great year and had already taken a significant downturn before the injury in part maybe due to the fact that he's already kind of injured before the major injury happened i think there's a higher chance that he just totally crashes out and isn't worth it at all than that he overperforms that at age 29 through 30 and they would always have full board right on him anyway at that point in time they could bring him back uh if he wanted to stay there and if it made sense with with where the team was at that point in time even if the contract does end up expiring and he doesn't take the extension so yeah that's a tough one it's a uh that was that outline was posed to me by a league source uh, in some of our conversations shortly after the injury happened and it's interesting to really dig into that at this point in time all right we done here yeah appropriately enough my off-season preview of the milwaukee bucks is available at the athletic for those who want to read it and i'll have a couple other pieces coming out soon and in all likelihood real gym radio will also be out before the next dunked on though the next dunked on is coming pretty soon yeah plan tomorrow is to preview the nba finals and talk about rj barrett that'll be a uh, really interesting and then of course uh nba cast for game one of the finals please join us for that as well till tomorrow night Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 